All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Happy President's Day. What's it's not Eve? What's the day after Tim? You know how uh, they have Christmas Eve and then there's Boxing Day. Is there is there a word for Happy Post President's Day? I don't know. There should be. There should be. There should be. I, I texted you yesterday. What were you up to? You were celebrating President's Day. Did you have a good uh, holiday weekend, Tim? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good. It was uh, beautiful here in sunny North Carolina. Sixties, maybe low seventies at one point. So. Got to enjoy that a lot. How was yours? It was great. You know, it was cold. It was icy. It was rainy. But other than that, it was fun. Who is your favorite president of all time? You're a history buff, right? Yeah. You know your stuff. Like you, you're you're in it. You do LARPing. <laughs> you know what the deal is. <laughs> yeah. Who who is your favorite president? If I were to say Tim, favorite president, go. Teddy Roosevelt. Why Teddy? The 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 big deal was that him. The Green New Deal. The big deal, the big dig. <laughs> None of those things. Um, <laughs> he was fascinating. He was like, uh, you know, like really sickly as a young boy. So he couldn't really do much, play sports and everything. So he was just read and he was like so well read. He was so smart and he got tougher and stronger as he got older. And he was just like the strongest wrestling in his whole group and his whole class. He was the fastest kid. Um, he was a governor of New York. He was a hunter. He was a trapper. He was a wildsman. He was a war hero in the Spanish American war in Cuba. He, um, obviously became president. He was actually the youngest president in history, but he wasn't the youngest elected president because he was, he became president when, uh, McKinley was assassinated in like 1902 or something like that. And, um, yeah. And then he established the national parks um, which is like his biggest claim to fame, um, which is obviously really, really cool. So, yeah, fascinating guy. He was a renaissance man um, and a war hero. And, a, yeah, just all the all the boxes. So, yeah, he would be my favorite. That that family, even his brother, FDR, Mr. Uh, gets some through World brother, War. Yeah. It's not his brother. It, it, they're related. It's like uh, two generations down, one, one aside. They're, they're related, though. Yeah. Because he was good, too. Then he died. Because he had some yeah. sort of polio. polio. Yep. Yep. Interesting. That's good. Teddy's a good a pick. Family. I like I liked Andrew Jackson. That's a controversial one. 
He was my guy. You know why? Because he had his famous quote, walk softly and carry a big stick. Love that. I, 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 tr- I love that quote. That is a good quote. When I went to Nashville a few years ago, I went to the Hermitage, which is where he, uh, his plantation, basically, when he wasn't president, he was like his big mansion and this beautiful grounds. It was really cool, but it's controversial. Um, he didn't treat the Native Americans very well. A lot of treaties. Hmm. And then he would go back on the Trail of Tears, if you've heard of that, where he just replaced thousands of Native American, made them walk out to like Oklahoma and Arkansas when they were in like Tennessee and the Carolinas originally. Or some exercise. No, no. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, but he was a cool guy too. War hero. Very smart, very, very tough. Multiple assassination attempts that he just like stopped him and kept giving his speech. Like it was crazy. So no kidding. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I liked his policy. Maybe not so much his secondary interests. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Because back then there was a lot of presidents who did a lot of you know maybe questionable things on the side, but they yeah. had pretty good pretty good policies in the you know it it was a tricky uh tricky tightrope to walk back then. Speaking of tightropes, Tim, there was a trade. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kyle sure. Dubas is walking a tightrope right now with the Toronto Dubas. Maple Leafs. Dubas. Kyle Dubas is trying to walk a tightrope right now because what do you do when you have a successful hockey team? A team that has been just firing on all cylinders. They don't have many weaknesses. Do you not rock that boat do you not want to tinker with that team knowing that maybe adding a piece might be subtracting in their continuity or chemistry it's it's a hard thing to balance as a gm because you do see weaknesses on your team when you look at them you watch them every single day your sole job is to make this team better but on the other side of the coin it's like man we've been winning a lot of games these guys seem to get along really really well do i want to ruin this mojo do i want to add a player who maybe is a more skilled player than say a uh, Pierre Engvall or a Justin Hall or who he could slot into our lineup, any different spot. But if I do that, it might upset the guys. It might not work out and it might just totally blow up in our face. And we've seen that happen. Well, I think Kyle Dubas just kind of, you know, tested the waters a little bit. He did. He, we made a deal and it was a good trade for the Toronto Maple Leafs. In my opinion, he shipped off Nick Ritchie, a complete swing and a miss. And I love Kyle Dubas's interview. Someone asked him, well, you know, how did it work out with Nick? And he, he goes, his, his total Canadian boy come out, came out. He's like, well, you know, <clears throat> sometimes she goes and sometimes she doesn't go. And this time, well, she just, she just didn't go this time. And I was just perfect. I'm like, <laughs> no, it didn't go at all. Yeah. you know, it was just like, it didn't work out. <clears throat> Everybody had the best intentions. He gave Nick time on the first line, time on the first power play unit. He gave him ample opportunities didn't work out for whatever reason. All accounts that I'm hearing is Nick Ritchie is not an interested person. Just did not want to put in the extra work, did not want to put in the extra effort, and it just didn't work out. Same thing happened in Boston. Now it's happening in Toronto. Now he's going to go to the land of misfit toys. He's just gone to Arizona where just people go and they disappear and then they're gone. So we'll see how it works out for him in Arizona. Toronto got a pretty good haul back. For, for Nick Ritchie and Arizona eats his whole contract, his whole contract. They get this defenseman. It was his first name, Ilya Lusbushkin. 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 No nonsense type defenseman. We were talking earlier. Tim said he has no business in the offensive zone. He's, he's strictly, he's a one track pony. 
He's going to play defense. He's going to block shots. He's going to bang bodies. He's going to be hard to play against. And he's a right-handed defenseman. That's exactly what the Toronto Maple Leafs need. Justin Hall has not worked this year. Him and Travis Dermott, him and Jake Muzzin, whoever they put with him, they've been a defensive liability. They brought in Justin Hall to be that player. They want him to be physical. They want him to be hard played against. They just want him to be a pain in the behind of whoever he lines up against. Log the hard minutes versus the fourth and third line. Just eat up those minutes. Get on the penalty kill. It did not work. Dubas saw this. He's like, listen, we can't have this. Went out and got Labushkin. Very, very, very good pickup. I like this pick. This kid's a good young Russian player. Actually, Arizona did a good job getting him over here from Russia because he played really well in the KHL. He came over to Arizona for whatever reason, it goes to that team. And now Toronto gets him. It's a good pickup. I like the other player they got, Zingle, Ryan Zingle. He's a good player. I'm surprised that they put him on waivers. You have an interesting tweet from Bobby Ryan, which I want you to get to in a second. But this Zingle is a player who can go up and down the lineup, fourth, third, second line. He's very just, he's a chameleon. He can score goals. He can play defense. He's always hounding the puck. I like this guy. I don't know why he hasn't stuck wherever he's gone, but... I'm surprised they put him on waivers and no surprise to anybody. He gets picked up by the San Jose Sharks, which is pretty quick in the waiver priority because they're pretty low on the list. The way waivers work, a guy gets put on waivers. The last place team gets first crack at them. Then it goes all the way down to the best team. So San Jose has got to be in the bottom 10th of the league. So they grabbed him. He's gone. He's on a pretty serviceable contract. I think he makes 1.25, Tim, if I'm not, uh, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, what, what did Brian, Bobby Ryan say about Ryan Zingle? Yeah, uh, he tweeted out right after Zingle got placed on waivers. Bobby Ryan said, imagine having Zingle on on almost any team and rolling him out minimally. I just don't get it. Put him on your second line with a good center, and he gets you 15 to 25 for a million bucks. It's pretty simple, but he's not wrong. He's he's an effective player. And the thing with the Zingle, too, is he's a he's a good two-way player. He's not going to you know kill you defensively. So um, he's not going to light the world on fire, but I think he's a good depth player. And I like these moves for Toronto just because – when you have a top-heavy team, when you have a run-and-gun offense, you've got these established players. You re- And like you said, you don't want to rock the boat too much. Adding like a, a defensive defenseman, a depth defenseman, and, and a depth scoring, a secondary scoring guy, exactly what they needed. And really just a clever move to, to do that while unloading a guy that just wasn't working out, which is why it's kind of confusing. They immediately placed Zingo on waivers. There's something to do with is it was it, was, it, was it the intention of sending him down to the AHL or is it one of those more complicated cap situations that fans just don't really understand? Well, I, I assume they wanted him to clear waivers and then they were going to keep him with the Maple Leafs because once you clear waivers, once you have that flexibility, be able to send this guy down whenever you want. They did it with Kyle Clifford. They have a couple other guys down there who are on NHL contracts and it just gives you that ultimate flexibility to move him up and down. But he's a good player. You know, he's still relatively young. He's 29 years old. He's proven he can score points in the NHL. His first couple of years in Ottawa, he got 32, he got 41, he got 56 points, he got 44 points. So this is not a guy who has just been struggling his whole career for whatever reason. He just hasn't stuck with the team he's been on. He went from Ottawa to Columbus to Carolina, back to Ottawa to Arizona to Toronto. Now he's being picked up by San Jose. I don't understand situations like this when you have a reliable guy who's not making a ton of money and you can just throw him on your third or fourth or second line. And he's just such a valuable piece. I don't understand this. I was talking to an offensive lineman in Michigan tech. And he's like, yeah, I always ended up starting, but I was always on a 
league men contract and I was just being thrown around the league. And it just reminds me of Ryan Zingle, who hasn't made that much money. He's always a million, million and a half, but he's just so valuable. Why not just take this guy, stash him on your third or fourth line if you're Toronto. And if somebody gets hurt or if Kerfoot kind of falls out of favor with those, he's playing with Tavares and Nylander right now. If Kerfoot all of a sudden isn't working, you have a guy to seamlessly go in and take his spot. And he would work well with those two guys for all the, the assets that you just mentioned. So I don't know. I would have maybe held on to him, sent down Engvall. I don't know. Maybe there is some stuff with the salary cap that we don't know about. But to me, that was a missed opportunity because in the playoffs, the one thing you value is depth. Because as we all know, the top guys seem to balance each other out. It's It happens every playoff round. First line, first line, they're null and void. Second line, null and void. It's the third and fourth line who are going to win you those Stanley Cups. And that's why Tampa Bay was so successful the last two years, because they have the Yangi Gords, the Barkley Gaudreau's, the Blake Coleman's, the Pat Maroon's, these guys, the Corey Perry's, maybe not the Corey Perry's, excuse me. They had those third and fourth line. To just and they dominated and they won them those Stanley Cups. Yes, Kucherov was good. Yes, Stamkos and Kalorn, those guys. But so were all the other teams' top lines. It, it comes down to the third and fourth line in playoffs. And if you can have a guy like Ryan Zingle to just throw on the third line, that that's such a luxury. It really is. Kempe's coming around. Kashe is a really good player. I don't know. I, I think maybe that was a mistake by Toronto, but Dubas is, he's been a really good GM in this league. He really has for the amount of heat that Toronto's taken by not winning in the first round, not being able to, you know, get over that hump, get the monkey off their back. He's made every move. I think that the team needed to make, and he's done it with a lot of time to spare. I, I think he's a great GM. I really, really do. I know he took a lot of heat early on because he was so young. He was an analytical guy. You name me a move that didn't work out. And we, we can debate it. The Nick Ritchie move, they needed the physical forward. They went out. He was supposed to slot in with Matthews and Marner. Ma- Michael Bunting came in and played great. And he kind of made it so you didn't need Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie, second, third, fourth line gone now. Instead of just holding on to this contract, he gets rid of him. He finds a team who's a sucker, which is Arizona. You unload his contract, and away we go. Arizona is the pit. If you have a bad contract, you call Arizona right away. They'll take it. They'll they'll take every bad contract in the whole NHL as long as you wrap it up with a draft pick. How many picks do they have, Tim, in the upcoming draft? Because I know it's it's quite a substantial number. I don't have it in front of me for the upcoming draft, but I know in the past year they've acquired an additional 20 picks, which is absolutely like, – that's crazy. That doesn't even seem like it makes sense. That's a lot of picks. You're only they've allowed got, to have – They've got three first-rounders in the upcoming draft. Uh, they're conditional first rounders, depending on Colorado and Montreal's performance in the playoffs. Five second rounders, and then the rest are spread out across the next couple of years. But yeah, it's a that could be uh, eight picks in the top sixty. So that's a lot. They need to they need to really go all in on their scouting. And some of these second round picks are going to be really valuable picks. The Vancouver Canucks, the New York Islanders, the San Jose Sarks, and the Philadelphia Flyers. All those will be high-end second-round picks, even their own, Arizona. So if you're talking eight picks, it won't be in the first 60. It'll be within the first, like, 45. So they need to really hammer down scouting, maybe package these second-rounders for a first-rounder, get up into that top tier because their pick's going to be a really high pick. Montreal, I don't know what the conditions are on the Montreal pick. I'm sure it's protected a little bit, maybe top 10 pick protected, but it's, um, yeah. 
they need to go all in on scouting, which regretfully I doubt they are because it's Arizona and they don't do anything right in Arizona except for just take on old people with bad contracts and lose hockey games. Crab cakes and a football team. That's all they do. All right. What else do we want to talk about today, Tim? Well, the Flames won again last night, and they have now won 10 in a row. They are the hottest team in the league. They are – I don't know. I mean, do you do you buy into this? Do you consider them a top three to five team in the league right now? Is this just a hot streak? Anything that will settle down? How, how do you read this play? I like myself some Calgary Flames. I like them a lot. They've done – especially getting Tyler Toffoli. I'm telling you what, this guy is going to make a huge difference on this team, and they were smart with Tyler Toffoli. Did they put him on the first line and wreck the, the continuity that Goodrill, Lindholm, and Kachuk did? Has? No, they didn't do that. Did they put him on the second line because Mangiapane, Backlund, and Blake Coleman have been playing well? No. They put him on the third line with Lucic and Sean Monaghan. They have three That's legit so deep. scoring yeah. lines. How do you match up with this team? when you can? They can roll out these three lines and be good. They have a, a very responsible Veteran third line led with Trevor Lewis, who's been around the league forever, won Stanley Cups in Los Angeles. This is a very dangerous hockey team, Tim. If they can go out and make a move at the deadline and bring in another veteran defenseman to kind of shore up that it's, – it's not the first pairing that I'm worried about. It's not the third pairing that I'm worried about. It's the second pairing with Kylington and Chris Tanev. If you can get a guy in there to just – just as, as a buffer, if something happens, a Mark Giordano. Go back to Calgary. He's not good in Seattle. You can probably get him for pennies on the dollar. He would love to go back there, win a Stanley Cup. I'm telling you what, this is a good hockey team. It is really good. You got Jakob Markstrom on the back end, Darth Vader, his backup. I like myself some Calgary Flames. I don't see a team in the Pacific other than the Colorado Avalanche at this point. At this point today, the playoffs started now. Those are the two teams who I think would be battling it out in the West. Vegas isn't there yet. I don't think they've had time to mesh and gel together. We'll, t- we'll touch on Jack Eichel in a second. I just, Calgary's just a very deep, very good team. They're strong down the middle. You got Lindholm, Backlund, Monaghan. It's, they need one more piece in the back end, but, ah oh man, they, they have everything you want going into the playoffs. You want some sandpaper? You got Kachuk. You got Coleman. You got Lucic. Every line has a guy who can go and bang. You got sandpaper on the back end. You got Nikita Zadorov, who's just a big body. Eric Goodbranson, who in my opinion, Tim, Eric Goodbranson is the most underrated fighter in the NHL. No one wants to mess with this guy. Whenever he gets in the fight, he just like throws with, with bad intent. You watch all of his fights. He throws to hurt people, and it's I wouldn't want to fight this guy. He reminds gosh, who was there was a guy back in the day. I can't remember his name. He was a French dude. Every time I fought him, I was like, oh, I do not want to fight this guy because he had bad intent in his eyes, and every every punch he threw was just with such hate. I never had that. I wish I did. I would say three-quarters of my fights, I was just checked out. I'm like, ah, oh, this is great. Like, let's just try to get through this, win the fight, move on. Very rare did as Steve McIntyre said, my wires crossed. My wires crossed this weekend, men's hockey league. I don't want to get into it, but I almost got arrested. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, I like Calgary. to get into it now. I really like the Calgary Flames. So moving forward, if they can keep the streak going, keep this continuity, keep this, keep this just team. You can tell they're having fun playing hockey. Daryl Sutter has done a good job with this team. I don't know. I could see them I mean, going deep into the playoffs, Tim. Let me ask you. I'm going to give you a couple of teams. You tell me whether you like them or Calgary better to go on a deep cup run. Calgary or Minnesota? Oh boy, there. 
six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, at this point, I think the Flames have a deeper forward group that could change at the deadline. If the Wild go out, and I think they will go out and get a Claude Giroux, then I'll take the Wild. But as it stands today, I'll take the, the Calgary Flames. I think Calgary has a better goaltender, and their forward group is better. The Minnesota, like I've said, their defense is no one can compete with Minnesota's back six. They're really, really good. Calgary or Toronto? Calgary. Calgary. Calgary or... has. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Calgary or the Rangers? Calgary. Calgary or Pittsburgh? <sighs> Boy. Uh, Calgary, Tim, I'm, I'm telling you what, yeah. we might be seeing a Stanley Cup in Canada if these teams keep playing the way they're playing. They're, they're really good. The Calgary Flames have just steady as she goes, kind of worked on their game all season. They're not flashy. They're not going to score a million goals, but they do put up decent offensive numbers. You tell me a weakness that the Calgary Flames have. Look at their roster. Look at the way they've been playing. They have one of the best defensive-minded coaches in NHL history as their coach, and they're still putting up good goals. Jakob Markstrom's got eight shutouts. He's been playing great. What is Where is their weakness? Where can you look at their lineup and go, ooh, if I see that state right there? They don't have it. Maybe on the back end. Maybe on the back end. But we'll see as time progresses because there's the big bad wolf in the Colorado Avalanche that they're going to have to get by in the Western Conference if they have any hope of winning the Stanley Cup. But that'll be a fun. Those two teams are just so well-matched. Calgary doesn't have the offensive firepower that Colorado has, but they're very, very close. That'll be a fun matchup to watch if they ever do get to play in the playoffs. So I don't know. Let's go on to another contender in the West. Jack Eichel. Got his first goal as a Vegas Golden Knights. He's played three games now. He's got, I think, three points. Three points. Starting to feel it. Yeah. He's starting to feel it. He's looking good. Did you watch any of that game, Tim? Uh, no, I saw the highlights. I, I he had a good, um, which is kind of encouraging. He's that he didn't just like you know snipe from the slot or something like that. He was right up in the goalie's business. He's going to the tough areas, to the trenches which shows that he's feeling confident with himself and with his body. It's not like he's avoiding the contact or avoiding the dangerous areas, which has got to be reassuring if you're um, a a Vegas fan or even, you know, the the coaching staff and everything. So, um, yeah, he's looking good there. Three points in three games, a goal and two assists. He's fitting in with his line mates there. Um, He's skating, gosh, he's skating with – the top line with Stevenson and Pacioretty, and he's looking good there. And I'm glad they're not they're not easing him into it. They're throwing him right in to see what he's got. And so far, he's producing. So it's going to be very encouraging if you're in Vegas, and very scary if you're in that division and you're not in Vegas. Yeah, it's 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 really. We'll see. The tricky part is how they're going to work fitting Mark Stone back into the lineup if they're true to their word, and they're not just using him as a whole Kucherov LTIR scenario, and they're going to get get him back in the regular season how this will change this team, how they're going to fit him under the cap. But if they do wait and they pull a Kucherov, which I think we all are assuming that they do, this is another good team. This is another very good team. The West has not so quietly turned into a big, just lopsided. There's a lot of teams with a lot of talent, and there's a lot of teams that are just garbage. It's a very top-heavy division. When you look at Colorado, Calgary, Vegas, Minnesota, maybe St. Louis, Maybe you can put them into the mix, but after that, those four or five teams, there's nobody else. There's nobody else. Nashville, Dallas, Winnipeg, Chicago, Arizona, Edmonton, LA, Anaheim, Vancouver, San Jose, Seattle. Not even in the same category as those top four or five teams. Is there a team maybe could slide in there, Tim, 
that I'm that I'm mentioning that you think could potentially be in the top contenders in the West? The only one that has potential, and I say this very, very lightly, could be Edmonton, just because of that that firepower. But but no, it, like you said, it's a top heavy division, and that's just the way that it's going to shake out in the playoffs as well. I told you it was going to happen with Edmonton. They're going to beat the cookie cutter wins that they have to win the LA, the Anaheim, the Seattle, the San Jose's. They have to win those games. They are better than those teams. What happened? They played a team that was as good or better than them in Minnesota last game. They got destroyed. Absolutely got their doors beat off. I think it was seven to two. Wasn't even a close game. They got laughed out of the rink. Edmonton is still not a good hockey team. Yes, they have offensive firepower. We know this. Yes, they're going to beat Arizona. They're going to beat Chicago. They're going to beat Vancouver and San Jose. They will not beat Vegas. They will not beat Calgary. They have no business being in the same rink with a Colorado or a Minnesota or a St. Louis. That's just the facts. They're not going to get any better. They have no room. They have no prospects. They have no cap space. This is your Edmonton Oilers. This is the team that you have. They, they did on a hockey level hit the jackpot with Evander Kane. They got him for nothing. He signed for nothing. That's a really good pickup on a hockey level, personal level. We all know how I feel about Evander Kane. No secret. I don't like the dude. But strictly hockey, he's played well. We all knew he would. He's on a contract year. He's going to lay it all out there. He wants to do re me because that guy is broke as a joke and he needs the money to pay off some bills. So with that being said, they still don't have a chance competing with those five teams. It's... It's just a matter of fact. They need to retool that whole team. And that's all I'm going to say about it. But yes, it's Colorado, it's Minnesota, it's Calgary, and it's Vegas. Those are my four teams. Unless St. Louis makes a move, I do think Minnesota can compete as they're structured right now, but they're not as good as a Colorado or Calgary. It's it's going to be a fun playoffs. Once they get through the first round, the second round will be beautiful. It's going to be Calgary versus Vegas. It's going to be Colorado versus Minnesota. It's going to be a bloodbath. I'm going to love it. The finals are going to be Calgary versus Colorado. The big C's, who's going to win? I'm going to be there for it. I mean, watching every single game. Imagine a Stanley Cup finals, Calgary versus Toronto. It's going to be epic. I was talking to Tim Hunter actually yesterday, Tim, for uh, season two of Pound for Pound. Interesting guy. He was a part of the Battle of Alberta. Those battles, I talked to him about, you know, what was it like with Dave Semenko? Did they really like protect Wayne Gretzky as much as everyone thought they did with Marty McSorley? Tim Hunter was right in the middle of all those battles. He fought McSorley. He fought Semenko. He fought Buckberger. He fought or Baumgartner, whatever. Kelly Buckberger. Yeah. He fought all those guys like tons of times. His nose is like just a track record of his career. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger because he would stick his face in everywhere and he would just fight every single guy in the NHL, but it was interesting to hear his take on how the rivalries were in Canada. Cause he went from Calgary to the Nordiques to Vancouver. He played in Canada his whole career. He finished up in San Jose, but it would be nice to get that back, get that Canadian pride, that Canadian rivalry, get some actual talent North of the border. Because right now, Montreal, Ottawa, Winnipeg, Edmonton, all these teams, Vancouver, they're not, they're not going to succeed for a long time, Tim. All right, we talked about Jack Eichel. Good for him. We talked about the Flames to win 10 straight. Let's talk about my friend, Marte. Marte, St. Louis. They won last night, Tim. They beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Not bad. They were up 3-0. Toronto maybe staged a little bit of a late comeback, but his protege, the guy he's taken under his wing, some say the reason he was hired into this role in the first place, Cole Caulfield, he's been, uh, he's been playing pretty well, Tim. 
yes, he has. And you laughed at it a week ago, but he's got five goals, three assists in just six games under San Louis. Um, yeah, I saw some jokes about him. You know, the, the Calder race is wide open again with Caulfield producing <laughs> this guy, um, which won't happen. But, yeah, really good to see encouraging for him. Remind him that he is a good young player. Uh, reminding the rest of the league that this is the guy that you do want to build around. This is the long-term future guy and not just uh, last year was not an aberration, but it, it's a little too much too late for this season. But I think what people are realizing is that a, not just Copfield, but the entire team is playing better under San Luis. They're, they're playing, even when they're losing, it's closer games and they're beating good teams. Now I think he's showing the league San Luis that he's a legit coach and he's going to be, whether it's in Montreal or somewhere else, he's going to have a full-time permanent coaching job somewhere next year. Well, I think we pumped the brakes a little bit. It's only six games in, and you usually see this when a new coach comes to a new team. You get that initial rush. You get that initial first, you know, it's it's your first impression. We've talked about it before. You want to make a good one. You're back checking, you're forechecking, you're in on the puck, you're hounding it, you're doing everything you don't normally do because you want to make a first good first impression to get those minutes up, to get the power play time, to get on the penalty kill, to get in the lineup. Then that wears off. And your tendencies start to show through. You can't just change the way you play like that for a new coach and sustain it. So they're still in the new car smell stage. That'll wear off. Give it a couple more games. At 10 games, we'll see if he's a good coach or not. We'll see if this is him or if it's just the young players saying, oh, yes, new coach. I got to impress him because I want to play more. This is great. Our last coach was terrible. DeHarnay didn't like me. So we'll see if this sustains itself. But so far, Martin, I like it. Maybe it's Vincent, Vincent Lecavier. Maybe he's come in and he's just special. The way he puts ketchup on his hot dogs is fantastic. They like that. I don't know what they're doing, but it's working. This is exciting. I think the most encouraging point is Cole Caulfield has not ruined his confidence because that was a big issue. You've seen it with other players. You saw it with Capocacco. You've seen it with Pedersen. You've seen, I've played with guys who have come in, they've succeeded right away, and then they've, their success is gone and their confidence goes with it. I was talking with a, a guy last night who deals with substance abuse with professional athletes, and he's talking about the mental health. And being mentally strong is such a huge aspect of the game these days because everybody trains, everybody does the same stuff in the offseason, everybody's super talented. What separates guys nowadays is the mental toughness because you're getting – an onslaught of negative press always never had to deal with this back in the day. You would put the hockey bag away. You'd go and do stuff in the summer. You'd dust it off and you'd go and play. Even when I played early on in my career, there was no internet. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram. There was none of that. There was Facebook, but that was it. So you never really, if you had a bad game, you just kind of brushed it off. Now they're getting tweeted out by fans. They're just inundated with negative stuff. And if you're not prepared for that mentally, it, it ruins your career. No one's oblivious and no one can just take that constant negative pounding of just, you suck, you suck, you suck, you suck. Why are you playing so bad? We want you to score. What are you doing? It's hard. And you add on to that, the pressure they put on themselves already. They're 20, 21 year old kids who are making millions of dollars and they want to succeed and they want to be good and they want to prove everybody right. And they want to do good for their family. It's hard. So I think the best thing to come out of this Martin St. Louis signing is the fact that Cole Caulfield is getting his confidence back. You could tell earlier in the year, it was gone. He was a different player than what we saw last year in the playoffs. So that is the best 
best outcome of, of this signing of Martin St. Louis. So good on Caulfield, good on Martin St. Louis. I hope it continues. He's a guy you can build your team around, get Suzuki going, get Caulfield going. Those are the guys that you're going to move forward with. It's not the Gallagher's, it's not the prices. It's not these other pieces. It's those two young guys. That's your team in 10 years. That's, that's the captain. That's the assistant captain. That's the Montreal Canadiens. So very, very happy to see that Cole Caulfield is not just gone. He's not, he's not just completely mind warped. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I, one thing learning in all these interviews you've done over the last few years is just, it's, it's weird to say, but as a fan, you do forget that they're human. Right, like you're you're super talented, Pasternak. Why aren't you scoring? Like Jake DeBrus, why aren't you why aren't you scoring? Um, and the mental aspect is just so so huge. So it is it is kind of cool to learn more about the game in that way and be reminded of that. And and when it works out, like in with Caulfield right now, it, it's uh it makes it even even more meaningful. So totally. And the age of these kids, it's amazing. Like this Caulfield's probably only twenty two years old. Twenty one. I don't even know if he's know if he's that. Yeah, something like, like that. these are babies. If you were. Like if you're in a regular business, I work in an engineering firm, you work for a marketing firm. Would you expect a 19 year old kid to come in and just hand over the keys of the business to him and say, here you go, take us to the promised land. You wouldn't, but that's what you're doing with these young kids. They come in, you, they, their expectations are sky high because you watch in years prior. Well, Connor McDavid did it. Why can't you do it? Come on. It's there. You got to follow in their foot, footsteps. It, it's just a lot of pressure. And not everybody can hack it. Not everyone is a, a talent like Connor McDavid. So eh, I never had that kind of pressure. I can't imagine. I only had to worry about beating one guy up every game. And that was too much for me sometimes where I couldn't sleep for days on end. I can't imagine having to go out and literally win the game. And if I don't score two goals or play my best, we don't win. Oh, it'd be terrible. It would be absolutely awful. I can't imagine some of these kids. I saw with, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I saw it with Maxi. I've saw like all these young kids, Mikhail Grigorenko and Buffalo ruined his career. They pushed him into the spotlight. It's just Benoit Pouliot, uh, Nikita Zadorov. He's luckily resurrected his career. All these young guys, they push too quickly and it ruins their career. Mental health and it, you know, people laugh at it sometimes. People don't talk about it. It's a huge deal. It really is. And because of the way, like I said, there's so much information out there. I don't know. It's not great, but good on Cole Caulfield. And good on Martin. He's the guys are having fun. All right, Tim, what are we going to touch on? One more, one more quick thing. What do you want to do? Uh, just to get it on people's radar that the um, deadline is basically a month away. It's March 21st. Today is the February 22nd. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming. And I'm, I'm wondering, like, do you think we'll see, and I, I, this is my belief, that we'll see more moves done ahead of the deadline, like the Toffoli deal, than that final crunch Um on deadline on deadline day, just because of, of usually it's a domino effect, right? And you see when one piece goes, usually there's another one or two pieces go, and all of a sudden everyone's scrambling to get their guy before before they're all gone. And it seems like there's a longer list of like high value players than there usually are. Usually there's one or two guys that everyone's covering, but this year you've got Miller, you've got Besser, you've got Giroux, you've got Pavelski, you've got Hurdle, like all these guys. Um, and obviously, the uh, Toffoli was just traded, but there'll be there'll be more too. So I think I think we'll see guys start to make deals in the, in the coming weeks. At least I hope so. Um, and it could happen as soon as this week, and it'll be more fun for us, more to talk about than just this final crunch on deadline day. What do you think? I, I I'm excited for it. The thing I'm looking for there's a lot of high end forwards out there 
which there always is, I think there's going to be a rush on defense. And there's not a lot of good defensemen out there who can be picked up. I think whoever gets these these primo defensemen that are that the carrot dangling in front of all these teams are going to have the biggest impact of the deadline. Yeah. The, the high end forwards, the Giroux, the hurdles, the Bessers, all these guys are there. Who's going to end up with Jacob Chitron? Who's going to get John Klingberg? Who's going to get a Ben Chariot? Who's going to get a Nick Letty? Who's going to get a Mark Giordano? There's not many defensemen out there. There's those five and maybe a handful of other guys, but not many who are going to uh, Jeff Petrie. Justin Where are Braun, these? Another one. Where are these guys going to end up? These players will make the biggest impact, I think, at the end of the day. Like we know Victor Olofsson is going to go, Joe Pavelski. These are really, really good players, but the biggest impacts are going to be those defensemen. I'm interested to see who's going to jump early and get these guys, who's going to pay up and get a John Klingberg, who's going to pony up and get a Jacob Chitron. Those are the two names. It's like, okay, these guys want to win. These guys are in it. They're giving up a first rounder and a prospect. Let's go because. The, there's a lot of high-end forwards, a lot. Like you mentioned it, JT Miller, Max Domi, Jake DeBrusque will get moved. The, Riley Smith is inevitably going to get moved from the Vegas Golden Knights based on contract issues. Uh, Ricard Raquel, uh, Phil Kessel, Phil the Thrill, he's going to get traded. So I'm just interested in the defensive side of it. I I was grew up as a defenseman. I, I like when you get a big, hulking, stay-at-home defenseman like Labushkin just went to Toronto. I think those guys make the biggest difference in the playoffs. Yes, Giroux is good, but I think a Ben Chariot is going to make a bigger difference on a team than a Claude Giroux, in my opinion, but I could be completely wrong. But yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. And I hope the deals start now. I think maybe the dominoes have started to fall based on the Zingle trade, but we'll see. I, I know GMs like to hold their cards right until the last minute because there might be a last-minute guy coming in. Oh, we need somebody here. We'll give you a three first-rounders, and uh, we got to get it done. We want to win the Stanley Cup. It's going to be exciting. It's there's there's more high end first line talent than I've ever seen at a trade deadline in the last ten years. Usually there's secondary players, supplementary players, depth players. There's more players who could tr- just totally transform a team than I have seen in any year possible. You give a team a Claude Giroux, a Thomas Hurdle, a Brock Besper, a Jacob Chitrin, Johan Klingberg, even a Mark Andre Fleury. These, these players transform your whole team, Tim. It's going to be really neat to see if all these guys do get dealt, but uh, it's exciting. It's four weeks away. So TikTok, it's time to get going. Speaking of time to get going, TikTok, ding dong, Tim, DoorDash. We forgot to slide that in there and I'm getting hungry. I had breakfast. I didn't pack a lunch. You better believe I'm going to order DoorDash. I'm going to get me some Subway. So easy, even though it's only like half a mile down the road, it's cold. It's icy out. I'll get them to give it to me. I'll pay maybe a teeny bit more, but guess what? I won't because I'll use promo code gloves, DDUS, and I'll get 25% off and free delivery on my first order. So you should use it too. It's a fantastic company. It's a good deal. If you're in the USA, like I just said, use glove DDUS. If you're in Canada, oh, Canada, use gloves, DD, get yourself some food, get yourself some happiness, some joy, and you'll be happy that I sent you help us out help them out. DoorDash. Ding dong. Food's at your door, Tim. All right. Points bet, Tim. Let's get out of here. Yes. I'm going to go with an easy one, but give me Minnesota Wild playing the Ottawa Senators tonight. Give me Minnesota. Minus 245. You won't win much, but you want to start the week off with a W, and that's what we're all about here. So, you've Minnesota. Been throwing, you've been throwing up a couple L's lately. No, no. Not if uh, you don't pay attention to the results. I do. I do. You're, you're kind of running at 500 now. We should keep track of your results. I, I would like to, to see the grand scheme of things and where Tim ends Someone, up. Because you, you're a, you are one of the primo 
gamblers in the in the uh, nation right now. It's, it's very true. exciting. It's very yeah. It's very true. Someone so uh, on you... Twitter or something should yeah keep track of this. I'll I'll send you a, a sticker. A sticker. So who did you who did we take? Sorry, just just to double down. Minnesota over Ottawa. In Ottawa. You're pounding the Minnesota. I like that. All right, everybody. Go bet on Minnesota. Get yourself some food from DoorDash and hope you enjoy the pot. Who are we going to interview the, for next episode? Spencer Knight from the Florida Panthers. That's the hope. Yeah. So that's the that's the hope. That's the hope. And then we're going to talk to a couple of Olympians at the end of the week who won gold medal for a Canadian hockey team. Very excited about that. A couple of good interviews coming up. So stick around, everybody. Hope you're having a good week. Hope you had a good President's Day if you're in the United States. If you're in Canada, oof. <laughs> no comment. It's tough, tough sledding up there. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.